powerful you think is going to happen in the world? Everything going good in the world. Just like you want it to. No. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You're praying every day. I heard somebody say this week, it's not part of the mess, but I heard somebody say this week, well, all we can do is pray. And I want to say, well, if you think that prayer is all, like it's second, you don't serve the same God I do. Because prayer is everything. That's all you need. All we can do is pray, I guess. Do me a favor. Don't. <laughs> Yours ain't going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just You just don't worry about it. Let the rest of us handle it, okay? If you think it's that small and it's all we got, you know? Man, God's good. If you got prayer, you got his ear. If you have his ear and he hears you, then you have an answer. If you have an answer, what else do you need? Right? Amen. I was thinking, I came down here this morning to do a few things, and uh, I was, somehow got on national public radio going back home. And they were talking about, you know, how the trend is there's going to be droughts and it's going to be rain. rain. There'll be floods and there'll be droughts. There'll be floods and there'll be droughts, you know, and it'll affect the crops. And the only thing I can think about is thank God for the Christians because it says if we pray there'll be rain and we'll get a we'll get a crop. So I don't know about commercial, I don't know about huge corporations that farm. I don't know if they pray or not. But I know that believers that pray reap a harvest. And that still means from the soil too. So we don't have to worry. And I think that's why Jesus kept saying, hey, don't worry. Don't worry, because when you're worrying, you're in fear and not faith. But if you just do what it says and be settled in it, you're going to be fine. You're going to eat. You know, you know, there's a promise in Mark 16 that says, and even if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. Why do you think that's in there? You think the water's polluted? Why do you think that's in there? God put provision for his people in these days, and his people don't even know it. They're worried about, what are we going to do? I just don't know how we're going to survive. Well, you ought to start reading the Bible. It tells you how you're going to survive. It tells you how you're going to survive. That's what it does. It says when you plant your seed, you're going to get sun, and you're going to get rain, and you're going to get a crop, and you and yours can eat. And it says really that he'll bless you if you walk close enough with him that you'll have enough to share with your neighbor. That's what it says. You know, and all we, you know, sometimes we Christians talk about worry. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's just kind of um, heartbreaking because what you're saying when you're worrying is, Jesus, I hear you, but I don't believe you. Jesus, I hear you and you died for me, but not quite good enough. Right? And that's really what you'd be saying. It's like when a child first grows up, they've been doing whatever their parents tell them to do their whole life. And it's worked for them. It has worked for them every day until whatever day. And then they finally decide, I'm my own person, right? It happens. But that day the parents tell them something. They say, well, I'll, I'll see. It's worked for them every single day. And all of a sudden today, they got to see. You, you, you with me on that? It's for them every single day. <laughs> Somehow. But we don't think like that, do we? Every single day. And I encourage you to write down the things God does for you because when you have a bad day, you can go read them. And you can see that every single day, if you're here to read this today, and he's still working in your life, right? And you just read all those things, page after page. The Lord interceded, help me get this job. The Lord interceded and helped 
did, did this and did that. And the Lord came along when I just thought we were finished. I thought we were going to get washed away. And he came and did this. And then he came and did this. And it, you don't have to read long. And pretty soon you say, what in the world am I worried about? Or we can be like Israel. He worked all kind of, won't he? There's a song about that. Won't he do it again? Yeah. But the thing of it is, it can be like Israel who had major miracles done for them. And then in just a generation, they pretty much forgot, right? Because they didn't retell the stories. They didn't relive the good things of God. They kept their mouths shut like a mute and just sat there. Right? You got a testimony? Okay. Yeah, that's good. Everybody hear you. They'll hear you. Why don't you give him that? Hey, he's got a handheld mic for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're at that point now where we're talking about, you know. Good morning, first of all. Can you hear me? Um. Okay. Okay, so this happened Friday. Um, I was at work, and with the heat and stuff, um, when you do, well, not particularly construction, but when I've experienced cramps doing construction, and um, it's not fun. So uh, Friday... Uh, towards the end of the day, that started happening. And in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm drinking a lot of water. I ate good. You know, what's wrong? And I'm thinking and I'm thinking. And I'm like, why am I thinking about this? Why don't I just pray about it? Which I did. And within minutes, I w- it was gone. Amen. You know, and um, the Lord answers prayers. It's not a, a, a big testimony like, um, you know, life life or death kind of thing but it's it's a prayer answered Amen. you know for those of you who who have a something that that you're praying for you know he does answer prayer amen and um praise yeah. the lord praise the lord that was my testimony thank you for your time all right thank you praise god yeah amen. all right and we tend to say sometimes it's not a big thing but um it is to us it is when you have to finish the work day. It is when you're the sole breadwinner in your house. And, you, th- you know, because the, the unredeemed soul tells you this. It's not just, you're not just thinking about the day. You start having those cramps and you're in construction. And you, your unredeemed soul starts telling you, well, what if this happens every day? What will I do? What if this starts happening and it gets worse and I'm disabled? What if, what if? What if, right? And that's you, that's what we've got to renew. We've got to be transformed under renewal. Yeah. Right. Well, but that contrasts the way of the world versus the way of God. Because faith keeps. Faith keeps. The world has to stop because they don't have His grace. And they will get in trouble. There's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, so let's let's get into what we were going to talk about today. And this will be interesting maybe for a lot of people. Um, Jesus wasn't, we've talked about this before. We're going to go a different way. But there's this, there's, this, there's this core principle. Jesus was not resurrected because he is God. He was not resurrected because he's God. Now, most theologians, if you read what they say, they say, well, he was resurrected, of course, because he's God. But he wasn't. He was resurrected. (laughs) He was resurrected because of obedience. And the reason that's important, having a discussion with somebody last night, and already had planned this, thank the Lord. But... The reason it's important is because there's there's been a you know there are winds of there are currents of teaching that blow through the church right just like they are out in the world and there's been a current of teaching that well we just choose Jesus we don't have to worry about anything else and he doesn't require anything of us he just loves us all over right and so literally 
we can keep just doing what we've been doing. And he's just so in love with us now because we recognize who he is, right? And we don't owe anybody anything, and it's, all is good, all is well. It is well with my soul, right? Amen. And I want to contrast that with the truth. Hope you heard that. I want to contrast that with the truth so that we're balanced. The balance between grace and obedience, okay, to people that really need God. And I want to start by saying this. Jesus did not even raise himself. Many people say, well, of course, you know, Jesus just, when it was time, he just said, I'm, I'm coming up out of here. The problem with that is it's not true. Because he was God, you know, he said, well, I'm done. You know, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm, I'm done. I'm coming out of here. But, you know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him, the spirit of the father, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he who raised, he didn't raise himself, folks. Yeah. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal flesh through his spirit who dwells in you. So how was Jesus raised? The spirit left him when he said, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? What he was talking about was he lost his connection, which is the Holy Spirit, with God. So he truly died in every aspect, his body, his soul, and his spirit, okay? And then when it was time for resurrection, the Father said, Holy Spirit, it's time to go get our man. And so the Holy Spirit went and resurrected Jesus Christ, okay? And I want to make sure that we say it. Because it bears out, you get in a lot of trouble if you don't understand this over time by what people say. You won't discern errors in what people teach if you don't understand how things work, right? And um, I know you don't want to go that way, and I don't either. So, by Jesus' own admission, I want to say this, he came to earth to be obedient to his Father. That's why he showed up to be obedient. So my question to you is, why are you saved? If you got saved, and I, I hate to say saved because you're being saved. Again, that's another thing that's technically wrong, the way we talk in church. Well, you got saved. No, you're being saved. Every day you're being saved. Right? So, while you're being saved, let me say this. Jesus, by his own admission, said he came to earth to be obedient to his Father. John 6, he says, uh, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, we're admonished to be like Christ. We're admonished in Romans 8 to be made into the image of Christ. So how do, what do you think we should look like? We should be doing the will of him who sent us. Now, I want to caution you, the Father didn't send you. Jesus sent you. And you if you know the scripture, you'll, you'll remember. He said, he said, even as my Father sent me, so I send you. Right? So the whole idea that Christianity is a feel-good community to escape hell, that you come down and say one thing and acknowledge Jesus is a total farce built on lie and can be a deception. Okay? Because it just simply doesn't track with anything the apostles believed. It doesn't track with anything Jesus himself said. It doesn't track with how he lived his own life. Amen? He said, I've come to serve. So how we ended up with, especially, I guess it's in America a lot, in the United States, but churches that believe that we're Christian, but we don't have to serve. We're Christian, but we don't have to love one another. I don't know how that came about, 
But I really think it's got to cease because unless you live under a rock, you're seeing that everything's squeezing down, right? You're seeing that everything's starting to press now in the world, right? You seeing it? That time's coming to an end and that hard times are coming. And he said, you know, few there are that find it. Amen, few find it. You know, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are who find it. But just about everybody you talk to is a Christian. Only two of those can't be true, can they? So I let you choose which one you believe. Would you believe what all these people are saying, or would you believe what Jesus himself said? Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and few there are who find it. And as we're auditing our faith life every day and our service life to God, we should be realizing where we're missing it and immediately correcting those things and even going to our Father in Jesus' name and saying, you know, I missed this. Now, you know my heart. I didn't realize it, but I realize it today. And it's been set in order. Thank you, Lord. Right? So um, these things have to be set in order. And, um, you know, it says if you walk in the light like he's in the light, others, when things are revealed to you, you don't just say, oh, I know that now, and not do it. You walk in it. You change your behavior and walk in it. There's so many people in church that have been hearing things for four years, ten years, six years, eight years, whatever it is. They've been hearing truth. And they haven't begun to walk in it. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible's pretty clear. He who has been given much, to him who is given much, much is expected. It's required. And um, so I don't, I don't, you know, for my part, I don't want to lead you into a fallacy. I want to lead you into a truth so that you're not ashamed at his coming. that you know where you are and that you've been warned even to audit your faith walk and to know what's going on. I, I don't want it to be, well, I got saved. You know, I'm good. I heard a preacher say one time, yeah, you, you say you got saved. There's not even enough evidence to convict you of it. But you guys know people like this. And sometimes we, we are people like this. Right? And there should be a truckload of evidence following you that the devil could convict you on saying, he's with Jesus, don't let him lie to you. She's with Jesus, don't let her lie to you. Right? And um, so, in John 14, 31, Jesus said this, As the Father gave me commandments, so I do. That's pretty simple, isn't it? As the Father gave me commandment, I'm doing it. What He told me to do, I do. What if Christians took it that seriously and that simply? Oh, the things the Father told me to do, I do. I feed my neighbor. Make sure he got clothes. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, I tell people about Him. I try to be the best parent, spouse, son or daughter. I can be, because he said, you know, just do what I told you to do. Do what I sent you to do. Isn't that easy? How does it get complicated then? Because a week goes by and we hadn't done any of it. Then another week goes by and we hadn't done any of it. Then another week goes by and we hadn't done any of it sometimes, you know? Hadn't taken it seriously. Like there are more serious things in the world than the next life, which is going to be much longer in this life and see the mind of Jesus if you will he was willing to give this life up and give up everything in this life for the next life that's the mind of Jesus that's not the mind of many Christians but it's the mind of Jesus you know I came down from heaven not to do my own will in this life, but the will of him who sent me. 
So he, he, had, he had made up his mind in the beginning. Whatever my will is, it doesn't matter in this life. I'm living this life for the next life. I'm living this life for the next life. If it comes down to it, I'll give up this life for the next life. And I say if it comes down to it, for him it certainly would. For all the ones in this room, it may not necessarily, right? But I'm living this life for the next life. I'm giving up this life for my brothers and sisters. Because that's why he gave his life up. It wasn't for himself. It was for us, right? Amen? So it's really interesting that he was resurrected not because of grace, but because of obedience. And there's been a huge wind blowing through the church now, the way I estimate it for over 20 years, that all you got to do is believe, just believe. You don't think Jesus believed in his Father? And yet, why was he resurrected? He wasn't resurrected because he believed in his Father. Now, let's go a little bit deeper and pull that top layer off. He was obedient because he believed. He was obedient because he believed. Right? So why aren't Christians obedient? They're saying they do. They're saying they do. But there's opportunity all around them. And they don't follow through. What does that mean? They're scared and they don't really believe. Right? Amen? So I wanted to cover that with you so that we will know, and I believe there will be, I don't have any evidence of this, okay, but I believe there will be some kind of, whether it be electronic or whatever, there will be a movie of your life played for you at some point. And it will have highlights and points Times when we had a chance to make decisions where it comes down to obedience. And there'll be so many times when as we are not being obedient because we don't believe, we are expressing our belief. Amen? Well, I just can't give this week because we just, we just don't have the money. I just can't help my neighbor because, you know, my kids will go without. Now I can refute that. Give and it shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be given unto you. Okay. So what do you do with that? If you don't give, you don't believe. <laughs> you don't believe. Am I right? Yeah. That's just one example, by the way. You know, it's just one that came to mind, but there are these truths, you see, we're not going to escape this. We can deceive the people now, some of them, on the earth. And we can look clean and polished. Jesus called those kind of people a whitewashed wall, right? And so we can. We can. I mean, we can deceive a lot of people. And the sad thing is, those people... Sometimes they're basing their life on what they see in us because we make ourselves out to be something that we're not. And newer Christians, would, and you don't know that at the dinner table, they say, oh, that guy, or that, that, that lady is such a Christian. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could be like them. What do, you think, what do you think the Father thinks about that when He knows it's just a whitewashed wall and they're imprinting on it because of the way the wall's presenting itself? And it's just something to think about. You know, Are you real? What people know about you, is it real? Do you live it out? 
Do you live it out? Or is it just something you're brought up in and you talk about it real well? Or, or whatever the case may be, you know, because a lot of that happens, right? It's funny, in John 10, 17, this is what Jesus says. And I always like to put this, I rewrite this in caps, all caps, in my Bible, because this is what he said, the reason, all caps, the reason the Father loves me is because I lay down my life. Not because of grace, not because I believe in God, not because I'm generally a nice person, right? The reason the Father loves me is that I lay down my life in order to take it back up again. How many of us have that in mind? I am, I'm laying down my life in order for resurrection to occur. You realize unless you're here when Christ returns, you have to be resurrected. And even then, you're going to have to be transfigured. Because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. Right? Can't. So you're going to have to go through the change. And Jesus is very succinctly telling us what it takes to go through the change. To be changed in the twinkling of an eye comes from obedience. It comes from obedience. You see that? And the obedience comes out of faith. The obedience comes out of faith. That makes sense? The reason, John 10, 17, you can turn there. The reason the Father loves me is because I lay down my life. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? The Father doesn't love me because I'm, I'm co-equally God with Him. The Father doesn't resu- He's not going to resurrect me because I'm God. The Father's going to resurrect me because of my obedience. Now, when you're praying for things and your conscience is bothering you, it's bothering you because of disobedience. And what that is, is your conscience is telling you you're out of whack on this principle. And you can't have uninterrupted, pure faith because of your conscience. Does that make sense? And remember how simple we said it was? Just figure out what it is and do it. But so many times we just won't. We just don't. I know people that know tons of Scripture. Tons of it. They can't live it. It really doesn't do anything for them. Oh, I mean, they seem very spiritual. Because they can quote a lot of Scripture. but it's not benefiting them or their neighbors because they can't live it. They don't have that hope, right? Makes sense? Now, if you will, let's go to John 15.10. And we've, you've obviously read this before, but everybody just look at it if you will. I'm going to start at 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. What's another word for keeping somebody's commandments? Obedience. 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 Now, I want to be careful here. I want to be careful here here with you because here's the thing. You're going to find people in church that are going to try to tell you what Jesus' commands are. 
They're going to tell you, and they even some preachers even want to judge you like they know what His commands to you are. They don't. They don't know what His commands to you are, okay? They know some of them. But the command to love is just like the blessing. It gets extrapolated, expanded in the New Testament. You see, the blessing was written in Deuteronomy 28, okay, under the law, let's say. But the truth is, when it was first commuted to Abraham, it was, nobody even tried to write it down because it's so big. It's like what they said about the works of Jesus. If all the works of Jesus had been written in Scripture, there weren't enough books in the world to hold it, okay? Same thing with blessing. If all the blessing, if everything God means when He says, I bless you, was written down, there wouldn't be enough books to hold it because it's individual. You see what I'm saying? You couldn't write all that down. And it's the same way with love. I want you to understand that obedience. It gets extrapolated. Now, you want to say, well, it's the Ten Commandments. But it's not. It's so much more than that. Okay? Does that make sense? Now, this is how we know. Jesus released us from the Ten Commandments per line item because He fulfilled them and we're in Him. They're fulfilled in us. Does that make sense? Amen? All right. So, But here's the thing. It gets even heavier. It gets even heavier. And so I want to make sure that we see this. Did you turn there? All right, let's read this critically. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands, and I abide in His love. So who kept the law? Jesus. And the Father loved Him for it. He loved Him for His obedience. Now what command have I got to keep? The Father's? Jesus' commands. And in verse 12, it tells me what that is. Just two, two verses down. This is my commandment, he said, that you love one another as I've loved you. That goes all the way up to and including giving up your life for your friends. No greater love hath any man, it's the next verse, 13, for no greater love hath any man than what? You give up his life for his friends. Right. And so it goes that far. And it's not, it's not asked of everybody that you give up your physical life. But let me promise you, lest you leave here and not understand this, it is asked of everybody that you give up your life day to day for other people. Every day. Every day. Other people are first. Every day. Does that make sense? Every day. And he said, if you keep my commandments, I'll love you. And I'm remembering when I was a child and the preachers would come and the evangelists would come during the summer and they'd say, if you'll just believe in Jesus, that's all you got to do. If you'll just believe in Jesus, you can go to heaven. That's all you have to do. That's the way the man taught. I remember it. I remember it. The sad thing is, I remember it. It would have been better if I'd never heard it. Because I needed somebody to give me a balanced gospel. I needed somebody to give me the truth. You know what I'm saying? Now, it may have been at the moment he was just trying to get people to come forward to be born again. But the next night, he should have balanced it. And the next night, he should have balanced it. And the next night, our pastor should have balanced it. Somebody at some point should have balanced it so I know what Jesus Christ is looking for from me. Amen? Because I want to be obedient. I may not be perfect in it, but I want to. I think Paul said that in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I can't seem to do. But I find this principle at play in me. It's not me anymore. It's the sin that dwells in my members. Because I personally want to keep the law, the good law. Amen. So you see, he was making that distinction. He said, God's going to judge me on the fact that I want to, on the fact that I've learned it, 
that I want to live it, that I want to be perfect in it. And, and the members that don't want to keep it, it's just going to crush them and give me a new body. That's how he's going to deal with it. That's why he's saving me and I'm not saving myself. Right? Because there was no way I could do it. Amen? So, just as the Father loves me, I'll keep his commandments, and I'll love you because you keep mine. Now, this is my takeaway, my suggestion, you know. This is something that, again, it's very personal. And, and, and just to give you an idea, let me read this. All right, Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. This is the starting point. The starting point. Apostle Paul tells, hey, this is just what's reasonable. This is not anything over the top. This is just what's reasonable. It's reasonable for you to give up your life. Christ gave up his for you. The reasonable thing is for you to take on the life of Christ and lay your life down and live for the next life just like he did. This is just simply reasonable. Isn't it? The man did it for you. It's reasonable. If he'd come and cut your grass for a year and then he got sick and couldn't do his, it's only reasonable you go do his for a year. Am I right? If he helped you harvest your crops and get it in and do a good job, it is only reasonable the next week you go to his farm and help him harvest his crops and do a good job. It's only reasonable. How did that get lost on the church? The church is running after the pleasures of this world and the things that they love more than God in this world, hand over fist. And somehow we've missed that it's only reasonable to give ourselves up. Was I wrong about that? Do you not see many, many people working to get more things? To get more things, their neighbors need basics. I'm not judging but certain things are just true, aren't they? Certain things are just true. I know Christians, and in their mind, they've built their new house. They bought their third boat. They got it figured out. They spent so much time on it, they know exactly what. But they ain't figured out any time how they're going to help people come into the kingdom. They haven't spent any time on that at all. They haven't spent any time trying to figure out what obedience to God would look like in their own lives and what he would call them to give up. But it's just reasonable. It's their reasonable service. Am I right? It's reasonable. And that's the beginning of it, you know, obviously. But here's where I want to go to. Revelation 2.17 says this. To him who overcomes. Now, you can be thrown off by this, so let me make sure I go ahead and qualify it so nobody gets in trouble. These are, these are the passages that are written to the seven churches, right? But you got to understand, at the end of what's written to every, all of the seven churches, it tells the whole church to listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So this part is to the churches. It's not just to that one church. It applies to everybody. So before you go down that road, just understand it applies to everybody. To him that overcomes, I will give. Isn't that great? Jesus will give, he says. To him that overcomes, I will give a white stone. That means you're clean. I'll give a white stone, and on the stone a new name written. Your name is your assignment. Paul the Apostle. Philip the evangelist, okay? Abraham the father. Why was Abraham the father? The Bible is clear. God chose Abraham because he knew he would command his children after him to keep the word of God. So he is Abraham the father. 
and you are children of Abraham, and you have been commanded, commanded to keep the word and ways of your father. Amen? So did God choose Abraham because he's a good fellow, or did God choose Abraham because he knew he'd be obedient? Obedient. Amen. Right? And isn't it interesting that love, as far as Abraham's call and assignment were concerned, meant disciplining your children. God chose him because he would not leave things undone. He would make sure they got done with the next generation. And you know what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Love never fails. So see, Abraham loved his children, and he did not fail. <laughs> Amen? And when you're, made of, when you're made of that kind of substance, you won't fail either. But if we're not at that point yet, we just don't understand the love of God. Because I'm a father. Love for me is to do whatever it takes to command my children according to the Word of God and not fail, not fail. Where it's within my hand to grasp it, do not fail. Amen? It's starting to sound like God actually expects stuff. Like He actually expects His church to be a living, breathing powerful entity that gets the job done instead of a bunch of wishy-washy people talking about some man living in the sky that believe in some spirit. You can actually see what the church believes by what they do. And you can be just like Jesus. Because Jesus said this. He said, that they'll know I love my Father, I do what He commands me to do. What if we, what if we just live by this? Just so that the people around me know I love the Father, I'm going to do what He commands me to do. I'm not going to fudge it. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. How many times do we lie with people to make them feel good? I'll tell you one that will get you. 1 Corinthians 13. You social media people have seen this many times. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Tells you what love is, basically. You know, it says, um, Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about that? What's rejoicing in iniquity? Somebody on your social media feed lives in open sin. They live in open rebellion against God. It could be they live together and they're not married. It could be they live together and they're the same gender. Okay? Open rebellion. You're still friends with them. And when they put down big life events, many in the church congratulate them. They congratulate them. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Whatever it is that makes you happy. Rejoicing in iniquity. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just letting you know. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity. It's not love to pat somebody on the back that's going the wrong way and going to die. It is not love to let your child play near the street because you don't want them to fuss. And you just really, you just want them to love you. God's told us that. And you look at the list of people congratulating these folks. I can start naming the churches they go to. Rejoicing in iniquity. Rejoicing in iniquity. Living with, stand not in the way of sinners, but they're standing right there with them. 
not a single person, hey, I'm not judging you, but you shouldn't be proud of this. God doesn't, God doesn't live like this. He doesn't want you to live like this either. Isn't that what you expect? Isn't that what Jesus told you? They hated me. They're going to hate you too. Yeah. The fact that you don't get a terrible comeback means you're not doing it. Jesus said the world hated me. They're going to hate you too. No. But you'll actually be moving in love. And you may be one of the only ones that gives them a chance to understand it. And when they play your movie back, you'll be the one in the church that didn't rejoice in iniquity. See what I mean? She brings up a good point. The reason we don't walk in obedience is because we don't believe. Well, what could they do to me? I might even lose my job. Is God on the throne? Does he have jobs? I don't know if I really want to go that far. I don't think he asked you what you wanted. You weren't talking like that when you wanted salvation. You wanted his best. Now all he wants is yours. Amen. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm harsh. You know? I'm just putting it out there so that as we audit our faith walk, we see what is what, right? We have to know what's what. He's expecting a church that's unblemished, powerful. And what he's got right now is a bunch of wishy-washy folks. They don't even, they're not even sure what they believe sometimes. Amen. Well, should I really say anything about this? Right? So what I'm saying is this. Jesus' command to love extends to every charge and every responsibility He's given us. Are you married? And you got a responsibility from God to love. You got kids? You got a responsibility from God to love. As a parent as a spouse, as a boss, an employee, or whatever ministry he gives you, you know? Whatever, whatever service, I'm not talking about everybody's a preacher, or anything, I'm just saying, whatever service he gives you, do it in obedience. Amen? Present your body's living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. How can you do that? First of all, you have to make up your mind that nothing will deter you. Nothing. The only thing that will deter you is death. You know, Paul said, for me, to live, is, for live is death, to live is death, to die is gain. He said, I'm on the edge, man. I'll just tell you right now. He said, I'd rather be with the Lord, but I'm here, and I'm going to do what I'm called to do. Hey, that was it. And I know we have European vacations we want to take and all these things we want to do, and I'm not telling you not to do them, but what I'm saying is make sure things are in order. <laughs> make sure, because Paul took them. Let me tell you, a lot of his were in prison. <laughs> his European vacations. You know, for that same reason you mentioned, because he told people the truth. And when he did, the devil in them got so upset, it stirred them up to imprison him, to kill him, to flog him, all kinds of things. It stirred them up to hang the apostles, on to crucify them upside down, to pour boiling oil on them. And they endured all. They endured all, holding on to the truth, holding on to the truth for a better resurrection. They gave up this life for the next life. I mean, and I just find that if, if you really want to say 
that you walk with God and you really want to say you're in that class that serves God, this is the balance you have to have. It can't just be the good fuzzy stuff because, yes, God is good. And, yes, he blesses. But you have to have this balance. Amen. Most of, I'm going to go so far as to say it. Most of the church is not going to know how to handle you saying these kind of things. Forget that what the world thinks. Most of the people in the church have never run against a Christian that actually acts and speaks like their fathers told them to. They're not going to know what to do with it. You will lose relationships over it. You will lose friendships over it. You will. It's not that you might. You will. You will lose your status in the community as far as the world is concerned. If you haven't yet, man, just settle that in your mind. All of you who need to have 300 friends, let me tell you, Christians don't have many friends. I'll just let you in on it now. Jesus had a very small circle. You know why? You can't find many people that want to live like he lived. You just won't. I've had to tell both our children as they have figured this out growing up is that there aren't many people that truly do what they speak and speak what they do. And it breaks your heart because you think you know these people, you think they they like you and, you know, in the end, though, your, your circle is going to have to be small if you're going to serve God. It is. And, and that's why church is so important. One of the reasons is because when you come here, there should be a bunch of like-minded people that will accept you for your call and your deformities, let's say. Right? Amen. So this is what's interesting. All of those things count, but there's more than that. There's so much more than that. Because remember, you get a new name, and he goes on to say that nobody will know that name but you. Hey, you got to figure out what your assignment from God is, and that's part of obedience. Well, preacher, who do you, what do you think ought to be? Sorry. I'll tell you what the Word says. I'll help you talk yourself through it. I'll pray for you. But the Word's clear. He's not going to tell me. He's going to tell you. Well, how am I going to know? Romans 12, 2 and 3. Romans 12, 2 and 3. Romans 12, 2 says that you may prove God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Prove. Dokimatzo. To test, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. To see whether something is genuine or not. Your life for God has to be proven out. And the only way to prove out who you really are is to start doing it. And if you're in a little bit of the wrong area, he's going to bump you this way. If you're in a little bit of the wrong area, he's going to bump you that way. You're going to prove out. There are three. There are these three wills. I don't think it's just one thing now. Goodwill. Where you're kind of just barely getting in there, right? You're in the general will of God. Amen? And then what? Pleasing. Now, just two weeks ago, we talked about that everybody seems to have this idea that everybody that gets born again is going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, that's not true. And you've got to be in at least the second class when you become pleasing to God. Oh, my gosh, what does that mean about most Christians? They're in the general will of God. The second group, pleasing. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased right and then there's this perfect will that's the will and i don't want to give anybody the wrong idea that's the will where the believer becomes pretty much untouchable by satan they will carry out 
their assignment for God, and Satan will not touch them. It's like Jesus. He tried to stone him. He tried to kill him before his time. All these kind of things. Satan tried to do this to Jesus. I want you to know something. He wouldn't have killed him no matter what. He was in the perfect will of the Father. Until his time and his ministry had run its course, Satan could have done whatever he wanted to do. He amassed every human being on the face of the earth he could get to try to run Jesus down. They wouldn't have gotten him. Amen? So where do we want to be? Perfect will. Perfect will. So I'm going to leave you with this. This is it. Just as the Father loves me because I keep His commandments, I will love you because you keep mine. You want to be loved by the Lord? I mean, really loved by the Lord where He talks to you? I, 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 I generally have a few people come and say, I just don't, I don't think I hear the Lord like you do. You know, I don't think I hear the Lord yet. Okay, here's the thing. He talks to his friends. He talks just like you do to his friends, to the ones he loves. He shares deep things with the ones he loves. He you don't just share that stuff out on the street. You don't just post it and stick it on a telephone pole where somebody walking down the sidewalk can see it. Amen? Amen? He's going to talk to you because He loves you. He's going to walk with you because He loves you. And He's going to answer prayers because of your obedience and because of the Word of God. Amen? Just as the Father loves me because I keep His commands, I love you because you keep my husband, parent, boss, employee, whatever your ministry is called to be, whatever your new name is, find out. Find out and keep His commands. If you don't think things outside of the Ten Commandments are included, you need to read Peter. John In John 20, Jesus, I think it's 21, he was about to ascend. He had a little bit of unfinished business with one of his apostles. As a matter of fact, it was one of the main ones. And he couldn't leave before he had gotten it done. He said, Peter, I want to ask you something. Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter said, you know I do. He said, then be obedient. Feed my sheep. told him three times, three times, if you love me, you'll do what I've called you to do, and nothing will deter you. Amen? Now, that's an example of what he means. I want you to know Peter was so moved, he did it. What? He was so moved, he did it. Just a few days later on the day of Pentecost, when nobody knew what was going on or nobody wanted to speak to it, Peter stood up in the middle of everybody and said, let me tell you what this is. This is, this is the prophecy of Joel. He began to preach and thousands of people came into the church that day. Right? He was obedient. Amen? He's going to love you because of that. Hang on just one second. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that we love you. We couldn't even love you if you hadn't loved us first. Thank you for showing us what it is. Lord, we need balance. We need your power. I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear spiritual things, things from you, Father. Help us to throw away the influence of the world. And begin to love the world by the influence of you. I pray for each and every voice, the breath of every soul in this room would be filled with the presence and truth of God. And that we could lovingly convey how good you are. 
Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that you've told us. In 1 Corinthians 12, are given for the good of the whole church. Thank you for obedience in all things. And Father, I pray that as we go after discovery of our new names, and we begin to walk in it and prove it, that you would just cover us with more. For he who has shall be given more. We believe that, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. We look forward to the day we see you face to face. In the name of the King forever, Jesus Christ, be glory and honor and praise and dominion and power forevermore. Amen.